Welcome to Simper Sometimes with Benny. So, hey guys, um, and girls, and whoever's listening out there, um, today I have Cam with us, Staff Sergeant on active duty. Um, and he's just another person that I actually have never met. I've never had the pleasure of meeting. He's just somebody who heard about my podcast, listened to my podcast, and then reached out to me on Facebook and was like, hey, man, I would love to come out there and talk about it. Um, and and also one of the things he said immediately was, hey, I'm not coming on your podcast to trash the Marine Corps and trash recruiting duty, um, which is exactly what I'm trying to not do. So please, if you think that's what's going on, don't take it that way because it's not at all what's going on. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Cam. How are you? I'm I'm great, man. And Benny, first and foremost, I just appreciate you even having me on the podcast, man. And uh, I'm excited and I'm I'm ready to share some facts. And the biggest thing is just like you said, man. I think my experience is going to kind of go against the grain against most people who completed recruiting because even though it was very tough, there's a lot of good that came out of recruiting. So I'm I'm ready to get into it, man. Okay, so right off the bat, man, I'm going to ask you. You're saying that it was a lot of tough. So what was so tough about it? What was what was man. the tough part? Uh, I, so I spent 14 months um, as a production recruiter. And then after that, I went and spent 18 months as a staff and COIC or pretty much ran the office, man. So I learned some challenges on both. Uh, time management, man, was, was a little tough out the gate um, because you, you realize, man, like there's no shift on recruiting duty, unfortunately. Like in the fleet, you used to maybe you come in 730 after PT and then you get off what? 16 16 30 man on the streets your your day may not really even start till 4 p.m man <laughs> you Yo, know it's not you're not lying bro yeah yeah so that was tough man just the, the long hours and then not to mention i have a family man you know i have you know i had a wife and a son uh on there as well so sometimes you got to tell you, you got to tell your wife man like hey i may not be home for dinner or i may not be able to spend time with you on the weekend because why the office is behind you know like i'm behind on contracts getting used to the grind here. So as much as I want to be home for dinner, I got to get this PC at 6.30 p.m. because this mom is just getting home from work, and that's the only time I can do it, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, how, if you want me asking, how old is your – you said you have a son? Yeah, now he's four. He's uh, he's four okay. here soon. But uh, when I went, I went in 2018 uh, to BRC and then started in June of 2018. So at the time, he would have been like – two one going on two something like that you know yeah yeah so those are those are like prime times that fortunately my uh or unfortunately my wife had to kind of develop him during that time frame because yeah. i re- really wasn't there you know oh yeah bro i, I know I, I dealt with the exact same thing i had uh i got on recruiting duty i graduated brc july 2017 my son was born <clears throat> april 2018 so oh. yeah, so I literally like my son was born, and like you said, man, my wife, it was all on her. You know, there was you know in the beginning, bro. I never, I was, I saw my son when he was sleeping in his crib. Um, wow. You know, I would come home and he'd be asleep, and that was you know a huge, definitely a huge effect on me. Um, and even when he started talking, like he would say "dad, dad," but when he started actually talking and comprehending and walking around the house and stuff, like I remember one day. He came up to me as I was leaving the house and uh, he said, he said, he said, I'll see you tomorrow, dad. And it was like 8 a.m. Yeah. And I was just like, bro, the idea that my two year old son already understands that he's probably not going to see me tonight because I'm not going to be home in time for him to say goodnight and read him a bedtime story like that affected me. Um, So 
before we get into like the staff and CIC role and stuff, what do you, what are some troubles that you had while you were a canvassing recruiter? Like what are some of the issues that you dealt with um, and how did you overcome them? So here's the thing, man. Like when I first got to my, uh, my RS, my first boss was an 8412 and he was a great guy. Very good guy, man. He he spent about three months with me. So a lot of people might come in to an 8411 boss who's still trying to learn the ropes of, of himself, like on his own, where this 8412 is already kind of groomed. So he would go out with me and he would show me little techniques like, hey, man, we're going to pull over on the side of the road with the car. You see that guy coming up the sidewalk? Well, I want you to pretend like you're getting something out of the trunk. And once he gets closer, he's going to be like, hey, man, you know, I happen to just be getting something out of the trunk and saw you walk by. You know, you ever thought about the Marine Corps? Little things like that, just to kind of set myself up for different approaches. And I did phenomenal other than that dude. Or maybe there's a time where I could get a dude in for an appointment to share the story, but I just wasn't seasoned enough to really get that dude to say yes. So he would get my back and he would jump in and be like, hey, I I just heard you guys talking a little bit. I want to jump in and share my experiences. And then, boom, that young man's going to mess and he's the next coolie and the next Marine. So we have yeah. like a partnership right there. So even though I was new, I wouldn't get these guys to say yes. I had a big thing where I could get these guys at least in their office and at least hit <laughs> the story. That's really all he asked. Yeah. Fast forward, man. Um, after those three months were up, <clears throat> he left because you guys know 8412s don't really spend too much time in the office. They they jump in, they build the office back up, and then they bounce. Well, yeah. he gave it to the assistant staff in CRC and Benny, man. Once that happened, like the offer just went down. It plummeted. And why do you why do you think that was? What's your, what's your thought process? Why do you think that is? That that assistant staff and show I see, man, and, and bless his soul. Um, there was just a disconnect with the way he ran business, like his leadership style. He was just a a harsh dude that really only cared about results. And and there's a time and place for that, man, but you also gotta balance the morale of the recruiters at least a little bit, man. Yeah. He yeah. was like hard. Now, What's, go ahead, man. Now, let me ask you this question. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, was he – now, mind you, you said you had 8412, right? Guys were in the office. He's doing the training. He's really in there with you. And what you – you know, you were bringing the guys in, and he was kind of help aiding you in the situation of, you know, getting the yes and, and helping you throughout the interview process and the gain commitment process, right? Right. Then – now this guy leaves and now this new assistant comes in, right? And this he's, you know, was this guy, was he a good recruiter? Was he a brand new recruiter? Like, what was his story? Like, where was his experience level, quote unquote? So he was pretty decent. I'm not going to take that from him. Uh, he, he was good for once, two, sometimes three. But then once that 8412 came in, he was writing consistent threes because obviously that 8412 is helping everybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that recruiter was, before the 8412 checked in, he did a lot of things on his own. And even though this is an independent duty, we all know that it's best to ride with other recruiters just to 100%. kind of back you up. 100%, whole- bro. You know, you got people to back you up. Well, he was just used to riding by himself because I guess he just had like a little vendetta towards the other recruiters. Maybe they, I don't know what it was, man, but he was just used to being by himself. So when he took over the office, he still had that mentality. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, you didn't hit your numbers. I don't care what you did before that you still don't got what you need you're going to be here till 12 o'clock and these things like that so man there were times we were out 12 1 2 o'clock at walmart looking for the guy pushing the carts and things like that and, th- and th- there's a time and place for that benny yeah every day seven days a week it got to the point where i would come home man and my son would be asleep and i would just open the door and kind of hope he was still awake man and yeah sometimes he would sometimes he wouldn't but and i was that's... so 
Yeah, wait, go ahead, man. No, yeah, and that's and that's the the, the hard part about it, man. Is that like, and, you know, now mind you, talking about it like that, right? So you had this eighty four twelve who wasn't eighty four twelve, right? Right. So he he had the ability. I don't want to say to be able to tell the command like, "Hey, go kick rocks. Let me do what I'm doing." But he had the clout to where he could tell the ARI or the RI like, "Listen." Let me do what I got to do. Let me rebuild this station. Let me do what I got to do. Just let me go what I want, right? But right. now this 8411, who's just a, a staff sergeant, he doesn't have that clout. So now what's happening, most likely, maybe this is not the truth, but maybe this is what I'm thinking, is that command member is like, hey, man, your office isn't where they need to be on numbers, and you need to push those numbers. So he, feeling the stress from the command, is now pushing those numbers rather than seeing things in hindsight. Right. So those are some things. But, you know, but that's like and I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, you know, we'll talk about it, you know, because it's when you're a recruiter, you see things one way, very linear. And then you become a staff in COIC and now you see things and you're like, okay, there's a broader spectrum here. There's a lot more going on. But the thing is, like you said, is like me and my buddy were actually just talking about this and you know, it's so hard as a Marine, as a leader, as a staff sergeant, as a staff and CO to, you know, to differentiate because it's like, okay, you know what? So-and-so's leading the office. He's killing it. I'm going to let him go home. I'm going to let right. him go be with his family. But now I just left, I just let my heavy hitter leave. And now because I let him go on a week of leave, okay, where am I going to get those two contracts or whatever? So that's where it comes into the time place. Because, okay, hey, listen, bro, I'm going to give you the time that you need, but I need you to do me a favor. Before you head out, I need to know that your two are solidified so you can go and enjoy that week of leave that I'm going to give you. Um, And then at the same time, it's also the idea that you have to be able to do these things because if you don't do these things, then there's going to be recruiters who come out on the streets and they're like, okay, well, you know what? Staff Sergeant so-and-so works his ass off seven days a week and never gets to see his family. So why am I going to bother? So it's – it's so what do you have on that like being so first just being the recruiter how did you feel mentally physically emotionally and how are you dealing with this you know for 14 months i think you said you were you were a canvassing recruiter so you know how did you deal with not seeing your son not seeing your family but still doing your job as a recruiter and as a marine like how did you how did you do that You, you know for that short time frame that that individual ran the office it was rough for the whole team, man. Like I said, I understand you're a new guy and the command's beating you up, but there has to be a little level of trust. Like, hey, I didn't hit these my TC objective of 75, but if you trust me on this, man, my guy is going to go up this week. You know, you kind of have to have that trust. He's going to go to MEPS, you know, but he was all about the numbers. Now, Benny, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, he didn't last in the seat too long. He unfortunately got relieved, man. And uh, he, he got really unreal or relieved because of some moral issues oh damn yeah so he he popped smoke man and i remember the day that happened i had pulled up it was like 10 o'clock at night and i'm pulling up in the gov and i'm just looking at the rss in front of me i'm like i hope this place just crashes and burns i hope like oh shit like blows this place up i'm still thinking about my son and my wife and things like that and a new guy who had just finished ocs somehow he was able to leave recruiting duty go to ocs uh, officer candidate school and come back and he only had a few months left on the streets before he would go to the university to commission well they put that dude in charge and i remember him coming to my gov and being like hey man i don't know what's going on so our major just told me this individual's relieved and i'm going to be taking over the office 
And once that happened, it was like a sigh of relief for me. And I saw that other individual jump in the van and went home. He had to turn his gov in, things like that. So I was unfortunate for him. But once that happened, the morality office shot through the roof, man. So and that's go ahead. And and that's the thing, man. Is it's and that's the thing, man. You don't you don't know what's going on, right? And the thing that that my biggest thing, and I was just talking to my friend about this, and it's something that I think I've talked for four years about. People don't understand that you're, and they don't talk enough about this at, on recruiting duty or at BRC, is that recruiting duty, you need to look at it as small unit leadership, and you need to look at it as the infantry, right. and it needs to, you need to look at it as a fire team. Your office is a fire team among a platoon of Marines or a company. Because the reality of it is, is that, in, and you don't realize this until later on in life while you're in, you know, when you become a staff at CUSC, or maybe you do, but you don't really realize it. But the reality of it is that every one of you in that office has weaknesses. And like you're saying, like one of my buddies, Ray, Ray could bring anybody in the office. He would talk to everybody, talk to anybody. But to be honest, his sales, trash. His closing, trash. His, he would just, but, but then what I would do is I would, I would stand by like behind the cubicle. I would be like the one next to him and I would sit down. I would just sit down at the desk and I would take notes and then I would wait for a cue from him for me to come in. So he didn't feel like I was bombarding him or I was overshadowing or that the kid didn't feel like, oh, this doesn't know what he's talking about. So we made it to the point where he actually had cues for me to come into the conversation. So then, or he would be like, hey, Benny, he'd be like, hey, bro, can you come over here and talk about S- X, Y, and Z? And the thing is, is that it's a well-oiled machine. Not everybody is going to be the best at this or this or this. Or, you know what, we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, um, pride of belonging. Yeah, we're Marines and we all have pride, but maybe your story of pride of belonging is better than mine. Maybe, right. maybe your story is going to relate to this kid better than mine because you came up from the same area or the same neighborhood or you guys kind of mesh well. So that's the thing is you have to be a team. And if you're in an, in, an individual, that's why, like for me, I remember um, I, I had a couple of things that happened to me that were good. And I uh, the general had come, the CG had come to New Jersey and he wanted to meet me, see me, give me a give me an award and give me a coin. And he had me standing in front of all the staff and CICs and he asked me, he was like, I wanted, he's like, I want you to tell me something. He's like, anything at all, just tell me something. And he was like, if you had any advice to give to anybody, what would it be? And I said, well, I completely dis- disagree with everybody about Marine Corps recruiting duty. And he was like, what's that? I said, well, in BRC, they tell you that, it's a, that this is an individual duty. I said, that, that mindset needs to go away. Right. Because it, the reality of it is, is that in my personal opinion, if, if you allow this to be an individual duty, then you will fail. Because when in the Marine Corps or in life have you ever been told to act as an individual? You never. have you've never been told that. So why why take somebody who's been in the Marine Corps eight plus years and they've always been told teamwork, work hard. You're weak, the weakest, you know, the weakest link is, you know, whatever is the weakest chain or whatever the fuck it is. But if you've groomed this person their whole entire career to believe that, and now all of a sudden one day you're like, hey, individual duty, go do some shit. 
And that's not right because the ad, because like you said, is individually you become this person who believes I know what I'm talking about. You can't tell me nothing. And, or maybe you really do need help, but you're not asking for the help. Or maybe you're weak in an area and you don't realize you're weak in an area because if you go out ACing area canvassing and you, or you're in the PCS and you're making TCs by, by yourself and you're doing all of these things by yourself. No one can critique you and tell you, hey, you got to fix this. No one could do that. But if you're out there with another Marine and another area and you're doing those things together, you're going to grow. So like so back to what you were saying, though, like, how were you dealing with these things that were going on? Like, you know, now all of a sudden, boom, you get this new boss. You're still a canvassing recruiter. Like, and I, you know, you said the morale brought up, but how are you, how were you mentally, physically dealing with all of these issues, you know, as they were coming at you? Oh, man. Um, like I said, my, my son really see the bigger picture, man. Like this is like, even though it's three years, it's still temporary. So I would go home, give him a hug. Hopefully he was up. If he wasn't, then I'll just see him the next day, barely and head back to work. While that was going on, I was considered the ace lads at the time, uh, the assistant staff in CIC, because even though I was new, I had a pretty decent APR, which, whereas another recruiter, his APR was a little low. So I kept everybody close. I would have conversations behind closed doors when that staff in CIC would leave, and I would just tell them, like, hey, it's tough, but we're going to get through this, man. Like, And I saw recruiters break down, share some personal experiences. So I, I felt like I was doing some things that maybe that staff in CIC should have been doing. Like, hey, mm-hmm. This is a team thing. We're going through some hard times, but I want you guys to know I got your back. How is your family doing? Hey, you don't have a family out here. What are you doing when you go home? You're not, you know, freaking uh, turning the bottle up, are you? You know, I'm not trying to get too personal, but I want to make sure you're good. Things like that, you know? Yeah. That even though this is a recruiting duty, we're still Marines. We still should be doing those Marine things, like making sure our morale is good and things like that. So I started doing those things and team started doing a little bit better and then once we got that new staff in CIC, we, we started making mission ahead of time. We were able to take leave and things like that. So we, we really saw a big man. Yeah. And that's why, like, so for instance, myself, you know, some of the stuff that I, I, so me, and again, this is where you learn and you, people have disagreements, right? So for me, I had a bunch of staff in CIC's and all the staff in CIC's that I had were never really, I don't want to say they weren't there, but like there was always a very clear disconnect. Hey, I'm the staff in CIC. You're the recruiter. Now I understand that, but for me, like I'm a very, um, I'm a very fair family oriented person um, because I didn't really grow up close to my family and I've joined the Marine Corps to literally have a family. That's why I joined the Marine Corps was to have a close knit family that I never had the opportunity to have. Right. Right. So for me, I thought of the office when I was a, when I was a Lance Corporal, I thought of like I was around recruiting duty a lot. I thought of the office as like, Hey, there's a family of five Marines. That's what I thought. But then I started becoming part of it and I became a recruiter and I realized like, okay, we work together all day, but then at night or on the weekends, if we do have time off, we're away from each other. And then there's those people who don't have a family. They just go home and sit in their room and they don't do anything because they know nobody in the area. Their family's not here and they're not married. So now what does that person do? He does nothing, right? right? So I always made it a point to myself where like before I was a staff, before I was the staff at CIC, I was the A gunner and in an office. 
So I would I would try to have people over my house to play board games or just to, you know have a couple of drinks or whatever and include my family because I didn't want to lift I didn't want to have my wife you know sitting at home which many nights I'm not gonna lie I, I did leave her sitting home and she thought I was at work but I wasn't um, <laughs> and she knows that now um, but you know I, I and that's I kind of forgot about not her but I kind of like she was in the background a lot of the time but then I became a staff and CEO and what I did was is I invited my friends, my, well, I invited my recruiters and their wives to my house. Right. So now, every Friday night, Saturday night, Sundays, um, we would have barbecues at my house, we would play board games, and we would do this so that, number one, that I'm, but now, mind you, my Marines still have to understand that on Monday morning, I am Staff Sergeant Bennett. You know, I'm no longer Doug. I'm no longer Benny. And 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 luckily enough, my Marines understood that. They would call me Benny on Saturday night, but then on Monday morning, they would say, hey, Staff Sergeant, this is what's going on. And when I went and took over this office, we that, that office went from literally missing mission for 10 straight months to now making mission for the next 12 months straight. That's awesome. And and a huge part of it to me was it was because we were now a family. If you if you failed, you weren't just failing you, you were failing your family. And and, and I made it to the point where now you know my wife, you know my kid. If I don't go home tonight, you're not it's not me that's not going home. I'm it's it's a father who's not going home to his son. And it means that much more. And then it want you want to work harder, you want to work for each other. But unfortunately, you do still have those people in the office who are individuals and who don't feel like that and who don't want to work that hard. So it is a very hard thing to do. So you transition and you. So how did you end up becoming a staff and CEO? How did how did that happen? How did you become a, a boss? Ah, and I'm, I'm glad we're making this uh, conversation now because I don't want people out there to feel like <clears throat> recruiting is just all bad and things that I went through was going to happen with everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was another boss, and unfortunately, he got relieved as well. So, honestly, oh shit, two bosses we ended up getting relieved. Um, right when I transitioned, I had another eighty four twelve come through and uh, kind of helped me transition. He was a great guy. That's why, like, a lot of people have these bad experiences with twelve. I can't really say that. I can't really say I had a bad experience with twelve. In fact, a lot of the leadership principles we learned in the Marine Corps wasn't really apparent to me until I came on the on the recruiting duty. Because it was phenomenal seeing an 8412 come through who uh, and, and help a recruiter who needed help and just sit there, document everything and say, hey, man, I heard you say this. Let's try this next time. You know, yeah. whereas in the fleet, you know, sometimes I've seen staff and shows just take off and, you know, junior Marines are still there. So I can't really say that was the same thing on recruiting. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I took over the office uh, in 2019 with the help of that 8412. And I was like, hey, let's all get together. You guys know how I roll. I've been with you for like a year and a half. And, you know, there's just pull our heads out of our ass and start doing the work. And I have to say, I've never partied at any time in the Marine Corps until recruiting me. Anytime we made mission, man, we partied hard. Like our thing was karaoke. Yeah. Uh, so go out, freaking have a few drinks and just freaking hop on stage as Marines, you know, holding on to each other and singing a song. And if you ask us, we sound great, but to the crowd, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, it's I love, man. I'm glad that you bring that up, man, because I remember, um, 
when I was, uh, when I was, a, I think I was a Lance Corporal. I was, like I said, I was always around, I'm a reservist. So I was always around and I fell in love with recruiting duty as a Lance Corporal. So that's how I ended up starting was I was a, I was a, rec- a recruiter's assistant because of my boy Riley, who was a Purple Heart recipient infantry guy who is now since out of the Marine Corps. But he, I learned a lot of things from him. And um, I remember what they used to do was when they would make mission, somebody in the office would buy a bottle of champagne <laughs> and then they would pop the bottle of champagne and they would all, they would all pour like a, like a sip of the bottle. And then they would all go around the room and just talk about something that they dealt with that month, something that they, you know, overcame that month or an issue or a funny story. And then they would do that. And that was their thing that they did every month. And, and that was the thing is like, I remember when I was, you know, when I was a recruiter, we never, we made mission. And then the net, that same day, Hey, what do you got for tomorrow? And it's like, bro, bro, can we just remember that we achieved something right now? Right. Can we, can we just remember that we just achieved something? And I don't know how you were, but like us, dude, where I was at, man, bro, every single month, it was like, you ever see that movie with any, uh, any given Sunday with Al Pacino? Yes, I have. And you know how he gives that speech about the inches? Yeah. Every single month, we would literally, no matter what, bro, no matter whether we started off as a hard office and we were ahead, no matter what, we would literally always make mission the day of. Like on mission day, that's when it would happen. And it was like, no matter what, and it was like, and it was a grueling month. And you know how it is on recruiting duty. Months and months go by, but you don't even realize that it's been months and months. Right. And and in the and that's the thing is if you don't glo- if you don't take a moment to to realize the achievement that you've made and the things that you've done, then it literally just becomes a job. Then you form this hatred for it. Then you you know, you're, you're mad that you're not home with your family or you're all these things. But if you actually take a moment to realize like, hey, bro, you know, you remember the interview you had the other day? That shit was, oh, bro, that was some funny shit. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you really take a minute to think back to it and realize like what you guys went through in order to make that one mission and that's one mission, you know, but and that's something to me as a huge part, because I don't know how you feel about this, but like. In my perf, in my purview, in my thought process, we as a Marine Corps on recruiting duty, Marines just feel this idea that I'm no longer a Marine. I'm I'm not a Marine anymore. I'm just a Marine who's on recruiting duty, whose job now is to be a salesman, and that's part of the reason why this is a duty that a lot of people don't like. But we, and it's because we don't celebrate, we don't continue our legacy. You know, like. And my thought process, you know, I don't know how it is where you were at, but like, and where I was, we didn't have mess nights. The only thing we had once a year was a Marine Corps bowl. And that was because it's mandated and it's a Marine Corps order. If it wasn't a Marine Corps order, I guarantee you we wouldn't have had it. But, but we didn't have those times. And like, now mind you, when staff and CEOs would have their training, they're going out to the bar. They're going out to the shooting range. They're going out to do some cool shit, right? But then when the recruiters have theirs, oh, hey, guys, we're going to go huddle up in this room 
that has mildew and no heat, and we're <laughs> going to talk about the same stuff we talked about last month. Okay, but now that recruiter doesn't feel like he's appreciated. He doesn't even feel like he's a Marine because when was the last time he did anything to do with camaraderie? When was any? When was the last time he did anything to do with the Marine Corps? And I had a, I, I made this point um, earlier on in my time, and there was a gunny who said to me, "Well, that's your job. You're supposed to do that in your office." I was like, "Yes, we do," but I was like, "But do you only, in the Fleet Marine Corps? Do you only do that with your with your with your?" You know, squad leaders, do you only do that with your fire team? No, you do it as a platoon. You do it as a company. You do it as a battalion. So why do we not do that now? And that's a huge reason why Marines feel the way they do is because they've lost that part of their legacy for three years. Mm, So on that note, man, my unit was a little different because the top tier percent recruiters would usually get to go out and have something fun mandated by the CEO and the CEO would cover that. So I definitely agree because I've heard stories like that before, man. But I can't say that was specific where at my RSS. See, um, that's that's I want to whoever your guy your CEO was, sir. Thank you, I appreciate you. Shout <laughs> out, shout out to you because that's how it should be. There should be some sort of thing that's happening for the people out there who are winning and who are killing it. There should be something, whether it's you know, hey, you know what, we're gonna put money together so that the number one recruiter in the state you and your wife can go away to Atlantic city for the weekend. You guys can, you know, we're going to put money together or whatever, or whatever it is, or, Hey, you know what? The top recruiters go away to New York city for a couple of days and they get to go out to go out to dinner on me or something like that. Because these people that are killing it don't get the work deserved. And then because they don't get the admiration now, mind you, hold on. I got to stop myself. I'm the type of person also who, I feel like when I was killing it, it was my job to kill it because I'm a Marine and that's my job. That's how I feel. I feel that this is my duty. This is my mission at the time in the Marine Corps. And this is what I'm supposed to do. So I honestly don't mind not being thanked because I don't feel like I should have to be thanked. It's like when a Marine gets a first class PFT, you shouldn't have to be like, hey, Marine, great job on a first class PFT. That's expected of you because you are a Marine. So a Marine who writes two should be it's, – it's an expectation. I shouldn't be congratulated for that. So that's a – you know, part of me feels that way. But now, caveat to that, if that Marine never receives that, then others are going to look at him and say, you know what? Why am I going to work so hard if me working so hard means nothing to them? Right. You know what I mean? So what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? It, it, it's important, and I would say this for any new staff you I see out there, any, any of those, anybody who's even considering it, you got to value the person who is actually allowing you to make a mission and keeping you afloat. That guy who says, like, hey, I already wrote my two contracts. The office is still behind. Let me go ahead and open my drawer and not hide this kid. You know, and I had a, I had ace classes who were not like that. Hey, I gave you my two. I'm out of here. And I had uh, one specifically who's still in the streets. He has about three more months. And I love that guy to death because he will always throw up a three or a four because at the end of the day, he wanted everybody to go out and celebrate, man. And I think about those times, it just, it just humbles me. So like you said, man, um, it, it's going to be tough. But if you are in a predicament to throw out a little bit more for the team, then I would I highly value that. And staff at COIC should definitely recognize that and probably take that guy out and have a conversation and give him a beer and say, hey, man, appreciate it. Cause we wouldn't be here without you, you know? Yeah. And I don't know about you, man, but I think that's the worst feeling in the world is when you write a three. It's like, 
it's enough. It's like I wrote a two, but a three is like eh. It's like yeah. why couldn't I? Why couldn't I write a four? Like the like, come <laughs> on, man! Like why didn't I write a four? And then you're mad because you're like, at the end of the day, yeah, you want to help your team and everything, but you're like, bro, I'm you made me write a three that could have been one for next month, bro. Like come on, and <laughs> and that and that's like the the thing for me, man. Like it was so different for me because like when I started off as a recruiter, like my office at the time. We and I also think maybe correct me if I'm wrong or maybe you think differently, right? But for me, I, I think there's such a difference between the Marine Corps four years ago than there are now. And I say that because four years ago, when I got on recruiting duty, my staff and COs that were in my office, all they did was talk shit to me, mm. and they would be like, Hey, literally, my boy Santana, yo, what the fuck are you doing? You don't have shit for tomorrow. Go out there. Go out there. My boss, my boss, I call him Big Mike because I can't throw him out there. But uh, my boy, my boss, Big Mike, bro, he didn't have to tell me. He didn't have to call me and say, hey, how many phone calls you got in the system? Hey, what do you got for tomorrow? He, If he had to do that, there was a problem. Right. There was a problem that my staff in COIC was calling me. It's like in the Fleet Marine Corps. If your gunny is calling you, there's a problem. Like, why the hell is gunny calling you? You shouldn't be talking to gunny. You shouldn't even know who the hell gunny is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, so on the streets, when I was a brand new recruiter, that's how it was. I would talk to my A gunner, and my A gunner would be like, no, 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 no. Hey, go go back out there, do whatever. And 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 our office at the time was this office of we fostered, you know, we talked shit a lot. We hey, hey, bro, I bet I, you know, or we made bets. Hey man, I bet you I can get two same days for tomorrow, or I can get two same days for today, and I can have a kid going up by this date. And it was a competitive nature. Fast forward to three years later, I got recruiters who are like, "Hey, you really shouldn't talk to me like that." Hey, <laughs> hey, I, I would really appreciate it if you didn't say that. <sighs> or hey, and where it's like the opposite, and it's like, bro, like what happened to this winning mentality? Like I feel like it's a different. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. But I felt like it was just such a different Marine Corps that I was dealing with because we. I, I went from an office of people who literally would make bets. Then then I went to an office where, bro, this is probably not a cool thing to do, but whatever. Bro, we got to the point where we would make slap bets. This dude came up with this idea that you literally said, listen, I'm going to bet you. That I'm gonna get a same day, and then you're you're you would have to that would be the agreement. So me and Cam, me and you agree. Hey, you're gonna get the same day, or I'm gonna get the same day. Right. Whoever gets the same day gets to slap the dog shit out of the other person, <laughs> and everybody in the office gets to watch. And it became this thing where, like, bro, it I maybe it was wrong, but it made us work. Like some of the worst recruiters were like, you know what? I'm in that shit. I'm down. Let's go. And it literally became this thing where, like, we were, like, and it wasn't nothing, like, we weren't beating the shit out of each other. It was just, like, hey, you can get one slap to the face, and that's it. And and everyone would take it as they would, and some people were a little harder than they were, you know, and then you would realize, or you'd be, like, a bitch, and you'd be, like, nah, 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 bro, I didn't say that. I never shook my hand on that. But, <laughs> you know, but it but it fostered this, this all, like, we, as an office, like, we were winning. We were we, I remember, you know, in that same office, bro, there was six of us 
in the same month that all went up to get awards or some sort of recognition. The whole entire office was awarded and recognized for individual awards and team awards in that one month. That's phenomenal. And and mind you, though, before that, before we were doing those things, a month ago, it wasn't like that. A lot of these guys felt differently towards each other and stuff like that. So, like, I'm not going out. I'm not saying, hey, you need to start slap betting. I'm not, it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, the camaraderie, the teamwork, the love of the Marine Corps, and just the love of each other needs to be there in my, in my thought process. Like, what do you – so now you become a staff and see, I see how did you – what did you take from the ones that you saw before you, and what did you feel was something you needed to do or change? Yo, I, I want to go back to the examples you said about the slap bets and things like that. And it, sound, it may sound crazy to a lot of people now, but it, this is just my opinion as Cam. I think it's because we're not really in a time of war like we used to be and everything's a little PC. But I want you to think back to maybe you and I time where you would go on a deployment or maybe you go to an ITX or 29 Palms. What happens when Marines get bored, man? We do crazy stuff. Hey, I wonder if I can hit that whatever it is, that trash can with this rock over here. Or, hey, let's do this freaking cinnamon challenge. Have you heard of that? Well, you had to, like, pick a <laughs> yeah. and chug cinnamon and whoever chokes first loses. Little stupid stuff like that. That caused, that caused camaraderie, man. So I had Marines, my recruiters would do the same thing. And I would walk in sometimes, maybe having a rough day or whatever, and I would just see recruiters just wrestling with each other or, like, picking somebody up and doing stupid stuff, and the recruiters are laughing. And I had to say to myself, you know what? Whatever's going to bring them together, whatever's going to remind them that this is the Marine Corps and we do little crazy things like that, but this is our craziness. And yeah. it worked because it allowed them to work together as a team. So I never took yeah. that. And we did some crazy stuff, man. I'm, bro, I remember, <laughs> now that you're talking about it, bro, I remember the same thing. I was in the office with these dudes and uh, they had this beanbag that this dude, his girl, worked for this like social media company. And they had this like, it was like a, it was like a, a computer pad for your wrist that was like a beanbag type thing, right? And it was for carpal tunnel. And he had it on his desk. And then he was like, hey, you want to play? I was like, I want to play what? He was like, he's like, watch, watch, watch. And then he would call the other dude from across the room. He'd be like, are you, you down? And then he would look at him. He'd be like, all right, all right. So now I'm like, all right, what, what are we playing? Like, what's the, what's the moral of the game? He's like, all right, if I hit you in your nuts, you, <laughs> you got to buy me a beer. Exactly, and and I'm like, wait, what? He's like from across the room, so I'm like, just throw it, and he's like, yeah, throw it. And he's like, you can't, but he's like, you cannot. He's like, you cannot chuck it. He's like, it has to just be a graceful throw. So literally, bro, we had dudes on the other side of the office, and we would just stop making TCs for a minute, and we would just we would just do it like a free throw, like Kobe. And literally, bro, you would just see this shit, bro. We have videos, bro. You would see this like little hacky sack ball just clap somebody in the nuts, and they'd be like, Ugh! and you'd be like, bro. And then, hey, bro, we would laugh about it. And then when we would, when we would get out of work and we would leave the office, you know, or then the weekend or whatever, we would get a drink or have, you know, hey, you know what, you owe me a bottle. So when you come over this weekend, you'll bring the bottle to our house. And and it just became like like you said, like. Because so many Marines, they just get so, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying don't take the mission seriously. I'm not saying that. But we get so caught up in the poolies and the families and the and the work and the phone calls and all these things that we just forget about 
the yep. camaraderie and what it is to be a team of Marines that are working alongside each other. And I, and it's a very important thing. You, you know what, Benny, but on, on that note, man, there were some police that always were in the office because of that. And I had to kind of watch that before, but like sometimes police would be in the office and one recruiter would go like a pick another recruiter up and slam them on the ground. And <laughs> But guess what? Pulleys kept coming in the office every day because they liked that environment. That's their view. Some of them, not all of them. But yeah. that's the view of the Marine Corps. Like, they like that, you know, team playing around and things like that. Yeah, big brother, little brother. brother. The yeah. big brother, little brother thing, you know. So that may, that may actually end up working for some offices if you're behind. You know, maybe you need to bring more camaraderie back, you know. Bro, and, you know, I've, I've had people, you know, start, like, video game nights you know, in the office where, like, my boy, he's a huge Mortal Kombat fan, and he started a thing where he would just have people come in the office to do, like, a tournament, and they would have pizza and just yep. chill and just kind of put their legs up and just kind of just chill. Because that's the thing, man. There's a lot of, um, you know, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, there's a huge, you know, a disconnect about the pool program. You know, people talk about it, and they're like, you should be getting a huge amount of referrals about the pool program. Okay, well, why don't we talk about how you have a better pool program because we don't ever talk about that. Right. Like, why don't, why don't we talk about that? You know, like there's, I remember my dude, um, I'll just call him money. May um, money. May he was a gunny and bro, his pool, bro. He got like 60 freaking, he literally his contracting 60% of his contract contracting came from the pool program, bro. Mm. And, li- and literally it was just because he fostered an environment where he was in, like, I, I believe he was in, like, the, like, lower parts of New Jersey, like, the, the I, I'm sorry if this is the wrong term, but, like, the hood. Yeah. And and people would come there because they knew it was a safe haven for them, and they knew that it was somewhere, and their parents were okay with them going there because, okay, I know my kid's not out doing stupid stuff. He's hanging out with the Marine Corps. And, it, and they had, like, a little gym they had built up in the basement, so it literally became like their recruiting office was literally like the home away from home for a lot of these young men and women. Oh man, oh man, and the, these Benny, these are the times that make me miss recruiting. Uh, the police would come in. I had police who would do their homework there. They would bring their guests in and just chill out. Like we would get appointments because a police brought their friend in to play freaking Call of Duty on the freaking Xbox. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they knew we were gonna have some some sandwiches. We didn't always spoil them with peace and things like that, but we would go to the Target in our plaza, get bread, cheese, and things like that, and they can come in and make a sandwich. And they would love being in an office as a composed to, you know, going home and having to be around parents. They just wanted to get away for a little bit. So that's the environment that we fostered. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome, man. And, and that's um, so. What would um, to staff you become the staff in CIC? What are some some struggles that you had to deal with that as, as a staff and so I see like looking down now, I'm not sorry, not looking down, but now seeing, you know, it from a different view, you know, a bird's eye view, like what's, you know, what's your mindset? How does it change? <sighs> well, all right. This, this, a lot of people want to agree with. Okay. Staff and so I see sometimes you have to micromanage. You have to sit over a person's shoulder sometimes and watch them pick up the phone because we know as recruiters it's hard man it's hard to constantly hear no get hung up on you know get no show that's tough mentally for a person Mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to force a person to do those things not because you're being a jerk man but because if i can be a little harder on you monday through thursday 
do some training with you on Friday and go home and have a weekend, then I may have to do that, man. But this is the only time in the Marine Corps where you constantly get rejected. Whereas you're coming before you got on the streets, you might have been this alpha NCO or staff NCO and people just jump me to do something just to come over here and get told, man, freak off by a 17-year-old, man. That's yeah. So you may have to freaking so, up and, and go do that, man. So here's my thing, though, right? Uh, I am a, I, I cannot stand micromanagement. I, I, I just actually just dropped an episode a couple days about it. I think it is the number one stupidest thing ever, and that's my per- my thought process, right? But what I'm saying is that I think that because people use it, and I had a friend of mine, Brian, he said this to me. He was like, I've been – so his job in the Marine Corps is he is oh, – I'm sorry, he's not in the Marine Corps. He's a civilian who works for the Marine Corps. And his job is is that he he does the IT for New Jersey, right? And he said to me, he said to me, he was like, you know what? He's like, bro, it's not that micromanaging is wrong or that it shouldn't be done. He's like, if you're a master gunnery sergeant and the only thing you have in your toolbox is to micromanage, then you should get out of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of it is that is micro, first of all, it's a word. So there's a reason behind it, right? It's there. But the thing is, like you said, now, if you're, now mind you, if you're sitting next to somebody and they're making phone calls, that's your job. Your job as a staff at CUIC is to do that. Your job is to coach and counsel and teach and mentor and guide. That's not micromanaging. Mm-hmm. Micro, in my thought process, you're doing your job. Now, mind you, if you have, if you felt the inclination that you had to do that, then that means that at some point that recruiter either one lost your trust, two asked you to do that, or three you just felt. But now, mind you, you gave him the whiff him. You explained to him, listen, man. I'm not micromanaging you. I'm not saying that you're inadequate. I'm not saying that you can't do these things. These are just some things that I've noticed about you that I want to be able to give you training on X, Y, and Z. Because now if you come at it with that explanation, now that person doesn't seem like you're being attacked. And I say that because I had a Marine who I did this exactly what you just said. I did that with him. And then he just, he got really, he got really defensive he felt like he was being attacked, and I was just like, so I brought him outside for a cigarette. I was like, bro, like, I was like, what's going on, bro? And he was like, listen, he goes, anytime, he goes, well, what are you doing that for? I was like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm trying to train you. He goes, no, you're not. He goes, what are you doing that for? He goes, you pull out an IOF, inter- interview observation for. Mm-hmm. He goes, now I feel attacked because you're writing notes down. Now I feel like you're trying to compile something against me to get me in trouble. He's like, so, and, and now mind you, it made me realize, you know what? I should have sat down next to him and explained to him what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Right. right. I didn't. And I didn't do that. But now when he said that to me and he said the same thing, he was like, listen, micromanagement. And that's the thing is if we go, if we're going in with the right intent and we explain Hey, listen, man, I'm trying to do this and do this because of this, this, and the third. Now the understanding may take and be taken differently, and it may actually be taken better in the training environment. But like what I'm saying is like what you're saying, I don't believe what you're saying is micromanagement. You're just literally doing your job. Gotcha. When my, in my thought process, micromanagement is when somebody says, I'm going to drive you in your car to go AC. I'm going to watch you from my car to AC. I'm going to watch you make a TC as you put it in the system. I'm going to watch you close out your appointment. I'm going to watch you do this. Or, 
Hey, you know what? Give me your keys to your gov. You can't go drive. Hey, give me the keys to the office. You can't use that office. Look at that's micromanagement and it's freaking retarded. Because now you're taking this Marine's well-being away. You're taking away that whole entire AO out of an office. So so when it comes to the extent of that micromanagement, that's absurd. Because that's not a learning environment. That's just you be belittling as somebody. Right. And that, that's exactly what I avoided. So I guess my, my term, my definition of micromanagement may be a little bit different. But, yeah, we're on the same page, man. Always yeah. with them behind why I'm doing this, man. Because at the end of the day, the last thing I want, and we all know that some RSS may be a little quicker for this. But the last thing I want is for recruiter to go to enhanced training once and then talk about RFCing and you, you did all these great things before you became a recruiter. Now your life's on the line for this little SDA that only's going to last for three years. So just to avoid your name being brought anywhere higher than the RSS where we work at, let me help you out and then let's get back on the right path, you know? Yeah. No, and that's and that's perfect. Because that's the thing, man. Like, it's like I said, anywhere else in the Marine Corps, you, you try to handle things in-house. You don't have to bring it outside to anybody else. It's no one else's business. But a lot of what I feel, and I asked you know, someone else on my other podcast, is like, I feel like, and you've had a different story because you're talking about how you've had really good E412s that have been able to lead, mentor, and guide you, you know. But a lot of times people feel like the training that they need isn't there and they didn't get enough of it. And they're told, hey, just go deal with it. You'll learn more. But really, it's just them teaching themselves. Right, right. How did you, um, so as a staff and CO, how did you, how long were you, how, how long were you a staff and CO for? So uh, 18 months. So I was uh, a staff and CO, I see uh, more than my time on production. Okay. And how did that feel? Uh, it was, it was tough, man. Very tough because now I, I go from word about my little bucket to the office and I have five recruiters, man. And some alpha, some beta, kind of balanced work with like making sure they're taken care of. So that was tough, man. And there was times where I would tell my wife, like, hey, even though I got this recruiter going home and this recruiter's not coming in, I'm coming in with the guys who are behind. So you really make some sacrifices. And sometimes I think as production recruiters, some people may think the staff in Chassis has it a little easier. Well, it was a lot tougher for me because I guess what I was out there with those guys as well helping. But, I gotta interrupt you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I gotta say thank you, man. Because that's the thing that another reason why I'm talking on this podcast, right? And and now mind you, and here this is for anybody who's listening, right? I know nothing about you. I've never met you in the world. Everything you say to me right now could be an all utter lie. I don't believe that because if you're saying it in my on a podcast on a forum, I believe that what you're saying is truth, right? Right. But and I'm glad that you say that, right? Because a lot of people, what they'll do is, and I've witnessed this many a times, um, is a lot of people, what they'll do is you're saying, you know what? I have this hard charger in my office. I'm going to let him go, and then I'm going to stay back, and I'm going to deal with the guys that are that are low, that are not doing as well. It's great that you're doing that because now you're fostering this work environment that people realize, hey, hard work doesn't go unnoticed, and I'm going to let you go deal what you got to do. But at the same time, I'm going to now come and help these guys because it's my job. It's part of my seven duties and responsibilities. Right. It's, it's I literally go to this course to learn about it, and it's part of my job. Like it's part of the thing that I have in my in my fit rep. I, I literally say that I do this thing, so maybe I should do it right. 
But now, and again, you're giving that with them to them, but you're also explaining to your wife, like, listen, I got to do this because of this, this, and this. But now, mind you, it's also good to say, like, at the same time, what I would do as well is I would tell Marines, listen, man, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the weekend off and I'm going to come in here and I'm going to deal with these Marines for these amount of days. Now, mind you, I'm going to need you to have my back so that I can have the time with my family, right? I'm going to give and take that. But at the same time, just like you would in the fleet Marine Corps, if your Marines F up because they're yours, you I'm putting you in charge of them. You are my A gunner. If those Marines F up, it's on you. It's not on them. I'm going to come for you. Oh, and now, and now that's the thing. And I think a lot of this, if, and again, that's why when people on this Facebook status or people out there in the Marine Corps say, the Marine Corps, recruiting duty isn't the Marine Corps. That's the problem. The idea that you believe that the Marine Corps is not recruiting duty and recruiting duty isn't the Marine Corps is the whole entire problem with the whole equation. You are still a Marine. And if you lose those attributes and you lose that ethos and you lose those things, then that's why it's no longer an, a well-oiled machine. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, so where I, where I worked at, I don't – I'll say where I worked at, it was inner city, man. And there was some rough areas and there were some very populated areas there. My guys were always in uniform. And I don't know if I was the only RSS that did that. Some may be like, heck no, nah, man. We only – or uniform when a person has a appointment in front of them. But I felt like my guys always been in uniform and we were in an area where there were no Marine bases around. People knew exactly why we were coming to them. Like, Hey, this is a Marine. I know that for the fact I wasn't a fan of people coming in wearing jerseys and flip flops and things like that, because I felt like they made it harder for us. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I want to see the uniform. The applicant knows exactly what he's walking into. I want them to be able to see the ribbons on the uniform and be able to say, like, hey, what's that mean? What's that mean? So on and so forth. Yeah. So we always shave. And zero, once zero 08 hit, I do in breeze and we're in uniform, man. So that's just how I ran it, you know? Mm-hmm. So how did you um, – How did, did life change for you when you became a staff in CIC with the family and with stuff like that? Like. It- it did. It did because I didn't feel so anxious or so nervous to ask to like, hey, you know, is, is this something that I can bring my wife to? I was saying like, hey, this is the event we're doing. We're doing this car show or we got this pool function. I want you to come out, bring the sun, set up the a picnic blanket over there and watch us, you know, take some photos, you know, meet these police. Sometimes we would do cadences and I would like say like, hey, that's my wife over there. Say, hoorah, hoorah, you know, hoorah, yeah. things like that, you know, so that kind of re-motivated her before wow man we went through what we call the dark times where and i'll share this i'll share this with you there was a time while i was so intertwined with recruiting and trying to make sure uh one of my bosses didn't get relieved which he ended up did he ended up doing it anyway um that my wife came in i hadn't seen her really in like weeks man and she came in the office to quote unquote just use the bathroom but what she really wanted was to see me man she wanted just to get a glimpse of me and i got agitated I got agitated that she had came in the office because I was grinding. I, I wanted to, you know, not lose my focus. And so I gave my son a hug real quick. And I was saying, like, hey, what are you doing here? I just came to say, how are you doing? I want to use the bathroom. I can say, like, five words to her and she left, man. And I think back to that day, I was like, wow, yo, like, what was I thinking? So I kind of let recruiting get the best of me for a little bit, man. And those are days that I regret. Yo, you're not wrong, man. It's, you know, it's something, you know, it's something that you, you again, you can't really change. Um and it's something that you wish you could because, and that's the advice that I try to give anybody who's coming out here, you know, especially if you're coming out here and you have, you know, a wife, kids, 
<clears throat> you you got to remember that there's a lot of things that you can do with your family there. Like parental consent. Hey man, I'm going to call when the when you set up the parental consent. Hey man, would you mind if I bring my wife and son, you know, this this way they you know, if you have any questions for my wife as a mother, you know, if you have any questions, you just just you know, just anything and also, you know, it's good to get my wife out of the house and you know, or I would tell them, you know, I actually have dinner plans with my wife tonight, but I can come to you around 5 and then we'll just go right to dinner. But do you mind if they're with us? And they they would never say no. Oh, and yeah. now and now that's a better way to you know have that conversation with your wife and your children in the background and just right there because that shows them that you are a human being that you do have a family and that the Marine Corps actually is able to help you with that family. Um, but and that's the thing man, is a lot of people don't and that's what, again uh, talking about the leadership right. People tell you that all the time. Hey man, you know put your wife in your SNR. Put your wife in your SNR. You know hey. Put some time for you to go see your kids. Put some time for this. But at the end of the day, if you don't have what I need, I'm going to call you and bitch at you because you don't have your numbers in. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, you, but you told me that I could take that time because you want me to be there with my family. But if you're not going to be understanding of that, I went to lunch with my wife for an hour. And in that hour, I wasn't focused on recruiting that I lost some time. Like, but, you know, and that's the thing, too, is people take advantage of that and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it's really hard. But I think a lot of times, like, we just forget, you know, as recruiters. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is we forget that they're there. Um, not in a malicious way, but I think as a staff and CO, you have to remind your Marines of that. And I would do that. You know, I would tell my Marines, hey, man, go home. Oh, yeah. The, and then my boss, one of my, I mean, one of my recruiters, would be like, "No, but I don't have anything for tomorrow, bro." I just said, "Go for it." I just said, "Go home, go home." And then, and then that marine, my boy Ray, I would do it to him all the time. I'd be like, "Ray, go home, go home, and be with your wife, bro." But I don't have anything for tomorrow, bro. You'll find something. And then he'll go home and he'll recruit from home. And I'm like, "Bro, I told you to go home to be with your family. I didn't tell you to go home so you can still make phone calls from the house." Like, and that's the problem is, it's like you have those guys who don't do anything at all in the office, but then you have the guys who work their asses off, but then don't know how to turn it off. And that's why, you know, every time I talk about recruiting on a podcast, it always comes to the word balance. because That's really what it is. Um, but if you are a staff NCO, I see out there, just remember that your Marines have other things going on. Now, mind you, not everyone has a family, not everyone's married, but they have hobbies that they want to do. They have things they want to do. So sometimes just end their day early and say, hey, listen, go fix your 370Z. Hey, right, go, right. go take your 370Z for a ride. You know, not, not into a pole, but go take it for a ride. You know, go go do this, go do that. And, 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 and then they're going to remember what you did for them. They're going to remember that you gave them that time. Or, and, and also, it's just the right thing to do, you know? Yo, Ben, ben I got two things on that note, man. Um, so a lot of times they would bring random staff and CRCs up to talk to the new recruiters. It was a course they had called PAR. Uh, yeah. It's like for the entry-level recruiters. And one thing I would always say, man, is the worst person to be around on this duty who will make you fail is the recruiter who doesn't have any hobbies or anything he has to go home to. Because those are the guys who are going to sit there all day, do nothing. It'd be 12 o'clock at night and end with, a, oh, it, it was a bad day. Whereas yep. you can 
to the recruiter, whether he's married or single, something to go home to, they're going to rush, you know, because, oh, for example, I'm a single dude. There's this basketball game at this college I want to attend is at 630. So what do you need from me right now? Oh, I need this. Perfect. I'm going to get it done. and I'm going to bounce. Cool? Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Well, and that's... And that's the thing, man. It's I think exactly what you're saying is a very it's very true, man. Is like Marines are so used to, all right. I come in at eight o'clock. I'll leave at four thirty. They're used to that world, right? But now, and now, mind you, I, I'm not an active duty Marine, and I, I, I say this, and I've had some people give me flack, but I don't. I think I'm still right on this. So if I if you think I'm wrong, please tell me. So I'm I'm a motor team Marine by trade, right? Okay. So if I if I went to work this morning at 8 a.m. and whether I was overseas in Afghanistan or I was on Lejeune, wherever I am, and I know that I have these many trucks on the lot and I know that these many trucks have to get fixed and I know that these many trucks have to get their preventative maintenance done. I know that they have, you know, to get this done, this done, this done. Where does that all come from? It comes from the staff at CO, the gunny or whatever. The gunny comes down and says, hey, sergeant. This and this has got to get done. Then the sergeant goes, does what? He goes to the lance corporal or the corporal, and he says, hey, corporal, this and this has got to get done, right? And then we, we disseminate everything, and then at the end of the day, it's all got to get done, or we're not going home, right? That's at least the Marine, that's how I grew up. So yep. in the active duty world, if Gunny said, hey, this and this has got to be done by 4.30, or we're not going home, at 4.15, we're going to have a 15 minutes prior formation, and then at 4.30, we're going to have the formation. And then Gunny, well, Gunny's not going to be there, but Sergeant is going to say, hey, where are we at with all this stuff that Gunny said we had to get done? And if the corporal or the lance corporal comes at him and says, hey, you know, we still got 10 more to go, is that Sergeant going to go to the Gunny and say, hey, Gunny, you know, we really tried to make it, but we didn't do it. What's that Gunny going to say? <laughs> go back out there. Go back out there and get your job done, right? So, again, why is it that people have this idea that when you come out on recruiting duty, it's different? It's not any different. If you were told by your staff sergeant, by the office, the guy in the office who is in charge of you, your quote-unquote gunny, but in this situation, it might be a staff sergeant, and he says, hey, this is your – in that morning in brief, he says, hey, and it doesn't change on recruiting duty. It's the same shit for the next three years. Hey, your job is to close with and destroy, find the department for tomorrow, make this many TCs, and go find an interview. Like, you're back to your point. If a Marine came in the office and said, hey, what do I have to do to go home? And you told him, this is what you got to do, go home. And that dude walked in your office at 1230 and said, hey, I got, I got what you told me. Oh, go, go home. You good? Right. Now, mind you, I have been the guy who other things come up. And whatever, <clears throat> like my boy Mo, he was my egg owner for a while. And what's funny is that me and him were recruiters together. And I always said in my head that if I ever became the staff and CIC of the office, that I would make him my egg owner. And sure enough, two years later, I ended up becoming the boss of the office. And I, and I told him, I was like, hey, bro, you're my, you're my man. And he was like, really? I was like, bro, I told myself two years ago, if I ever got to this point, it would be you. So... Mo knew how I was, and I would say that. I would say that to him, hey, man, this is what I need you to do to go home. And then he would come to me at 12, 30, 1 o'clock. But he understood that he was the egg on him. So now, because somebody else had a shortfall, 
because somebody didn't do what they needed to do to go home. I would say, hey, man, I need you to kind of help him out. But now, mind you, I would still give him time on the back end. I would still give him his Sundays off. I would still give him whatever time he needed off. But he would come. But he knew that it wasn't me who was taking the time away from him. It was that other recruiter. Right. So and and that's the thing. And the reason why we were talking about this was because, like you said, bro, there's so many recruiters who just get who get lost in the monotony that they just go to work. And then if you really think about it, bro, realistically, think about when you were a recruiter. Yeah, maybe you got to work at eight o'clock and you didn't leave the office till 2200, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Were you really working 12 hours? Absolutely not, man. Absolutely. And that's and that's the thing, bro, is if is if you if you really think about it, man, when you make Marines do TC power hour, like and I, I used to do it and I never realized it. But if you had a Marine, if you have your whole office of Marines sit down and just TCs, put your phones away, put them in your desk and f- make phone calls for one hour. Bro, you can make like 60 TCs in an hour. That's all the results you would need right there, man. If everybody's just saying yet, And that's the thing is nobody does that. Nobody just comes to work to work. And that's why it's a frustrating thing because people are like, oh, we work all day. No, you don't. No, you don't. You do not work all day. You don't. Because if you, if you were in the civilian world and you didn't have results for tomorrow, you would lose your job. That's your career, man. Like you're going to, they're going to, they're not going to keep hot. They're not going to keep paying you. Like right now I work for a civilian college. And if I don't have a certain amount of enrollments, they're going to start asking, Hey man, why haven't you had anybody sit down? You've had a week of nothing. What's going on? Okay. You know what? I'm not going to pay you and I'm going to fire you because you're not holding your end of the bar. You're not doing your job. You know, so what what would I, you know, I guess really what would you say for the recruiter who's coming out or who the recruiter out there, how, how, what advice would you give them as far as balancing their work and home life? What would you say? I, I would say exactly what you just said, man. If you could just break out a time frame of about two hours, because normal human beings to have an attention span to go anything past that. But just pick a activity where there's digital media or area canvassing or telephone calls and just sit there, prepare your area and just do one thing. I guarantee you're going to get results, man. But a lot of times people get distracted because, like you said, we may be in the office for a certain amount of time. But guess what I'm doing? I'm BSing with the recruiter next to me or I'm playing a video game on my phone. I'm just there just to be there. That's not really accomplishing anything. So just sit there, buckle down, just pick something and just do it, man. I Bro, it, it's yeah even if it's even if it's hey you know what for the next hour and a half i'm just gonna go through my working file right i'm just gonna go through my interview log i'm just gonna go through this i'm just gonna hit up all my police i'm just gonna do this because the reality of it is, is that you get so entranced in what you think is work and then you look back and you're like bro what did i do all day Oh, exactly, man. I, I was a little different from most because some people would say, hey, anytime you go into an area, may not always approach with a recruiting conversation. I think I did that more so than not. Um, if I was in a high school and I see an applicant, I'm going there with the Marine Corps conversation of, hey, have you thought about it? And I got rejected a lot, man, but I also got a lot of yeses. So my thing is a thousand no's a day is going to get me at least my two yeses. So I got yeah. a lot. But at the end of the day, hey, boss, it was tough. It's, it's rough. But it's freaking, you know, 530. What you got for me? You know, 
And I'm, yeah, I'm, and that's the and that's the thing is like I, I, it's it's true. I, I agree with you because that's how I was. You know, a lot of people say that. Oh, well, hey man, just you know, you don't gotta always go into the conversation about the Marine Corps. My thought process, bro. If first of all, if I'm walking you up to, if I'm walking up to you in uniform, you know why I'm why I'm talking to you. Exactly. It, it's common sense. So if I don't bring up the conversation, then you're like, when is this guy gonna come out with it? Is he lying to me? Whatever. My thing is, bro, I'm going to come because the, the the conversation doesn't start until you say no. That's when my job has finally been enacted, and now I have to do my job, and I have to overcome those different disinferences. I have to overcome those influencers and stuff like that. So in order for me to do that, I have to have you tell me no. And my thing is, is that, like you said, I'd rather you just tell me no so that I can go find the next person. Or, like myself, I love being able to have someone who told me no and turn it into a yes. Because if you're looking around for those people who are just going to tell you yes, it's going to be all day. But you're going to get more no's and you're going to talk to more people and you're going to be able to understand why their no is a no. And then you're going to be able to turn it into a yes. Yep, yep. I would agree with that 100%, man. Like at the end of the day, and another thing too, man, is even if a person said no, but they're qualified in my head. I still got you trapped because what I'm going to do, I'm going to follow with you 30, 60, 90 days until you say yes. And I'm going to keep talking to you, figuring out, hey, man, you said you're going to do this as your plan. How is that going for you? So even if you said no, if you were qualified, you're still trapped in my eyes. So it's still a win-win situation, you know? Exactly. And that's, I think, you know, a lot of people, they just don't know when they go back to the training piece, right? We talk about it. We talk about the follow-up, the follow-up, the follow-up. But nobody really understands it until you actually do it. A lot of my people that I put in the Marine Corps, a lot of people that I, you know, joined the Marine Corps, a lot of them were people that I followed up with for like a year. Oh, yeah. People that I, I knew where they worked, I would bump into them or people that I knew what college they went to, I'd bump into them. And I would always remember the conversation about, hey, man, how's that going? And I, I'm, I'm a big proprietor of using your own words against you. So if you tell me you're going to do something, I'm going to remember that. And then I'm going to bring it up. Like, hey, man, you know, you told me you were going to go to this school for this. What happened? Why are you here? <laughs> oh well uh da, 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 exactly so didn't we talk about that and you told me that wasn't gonna happen and and then you you and that's what you do is you and you write those things down you write those notes down and you're like okay i'm gonna use your own words against you because realistically i'm just trying to help you understand that really what you're doing is you know right now this is the best option for you but for whatever reason you're pushing it off and you don't want to commit and then and that'll be the question too Hey man, do you have do you have an issue with commitment? Is that why you won't say yes right now? Hey man, what do you think is going to happen if you do say yes? And that's a, and a, and that's the thing too is like, you know, a lot of people there's different tactics and different things. You know, people go, hey man, why didn't you have that kid sign today, bro? Listen, there's some people that if you pull paperwork out on the day that they walked in, they will never come back. Running from the hills. And that's and that's something that you as a recruiter have to have an intuition for and you learn it as you go along because you'll also have those same bosses who will be the person like bro i need an nwa for tomorrow go get that kid he better sign right now okay hold on staff sergeant do you want an, do you want an nwa who's gonna sign right now and then never come back or do you want somebody who might be an nwa three or four days later maybe even a month later but he will contract Yep, I think what, which one do we want? And that's again, you know, and that's the thing is that as a staff and CEO and as a recruiter, you got to kind of remember that you got to remember where you came from. Because I had a staff and CEO, I see like that. If he taught, if, if he, I knew without a shadow of a doubt 
that if he talked to my kid, my kid would never come back. I knew it. Yeah, and wait, it was big. Jassi would? Huh? You saying that the staff is Jassi would talk to the kid? Yep. No. Nope. Oh. Bro, I had, I, and me and my boy, me and my boy, um, and my boy got to the point where we, we pulled him into, into the office and we were like, listen, staff sergeant, love you. You're a great staff <laughs> sergeant. You do great things. You do great with shipping. You do great with this. But me and my boy were like, listen, big dog, <laughs> stop talking to my kids. If we, I, me and my boy, me and my boy said this to him, we said, listen, if the two of us stop bringing you contracts, then you can talk to our kids. But just give us a time where you don't talk to any of our interviews and we'll have more contracts. And and it wasn't like a it wasn't anything against him or anything like that. But he had a one track mind. If you were sitting down, you were signing, you were going on deck. And there was people that he would look at and he would say shit. And he would and because of what he said, they would leave. And they would never like bro, I had a I had a salty eighty four twelve. One of my best friends, great guy. Um he came in the office and he was in civilian attire and he hijacked my interview. Hijacked my interview. And he ended up closing on the kid. And I was already doing good, but whatever. So he closes on the kid. And the kid says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be a Marine. I want to be a Marine. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. And in my head, I'm like, this kid ain't going to be a Marine. I was like, this kid's just saying this so you can get out of his face and he can get in the car and leave. <laughs> and, and no lie, I get in the car with the kid. The whole rest of the way home, I'm talking to him. I'm hyping him up. I'm like, bro, are you ready for this? We're going to get in the house. Everything that you and him talked about, you're going to repeat to your mom. I do the whole thing, bro. I do the role play with him. I do this. I'm like, hey, man, if, if I'm your mom and she asks you this, what are you going to say? And he's like, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. We walk in the house. I introduce myself to the father. I take my shoes off. I do everything their as I could do. And we're standing at the little island in, in, in this kitchen. And then it gets mad awkward. And I introduce myself to his mother. I tell her who I am. And I'm like, so what do you got to tell your mom? And she goes, well, what do you have to tell me? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, are you for real? I'm like, bro, are you for real right now? Like, we just went through like a 45-minute conversation about this. You had an hour and a half interview. Like, we just went through all of this. And then she goes, I was like, well, ma'am. I was like, me and your son just talked about how he wants to be a Marine and how X, Y, and Z. And I pull out the benefit tags. I put them on the island. And I'm like, yeah, he wants this. He wants this. I want that. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, how do you feel about that? And the dad's like, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity, but I think he just needs some time to think. And I'm just like, yeah, I definitely understand that, sir. Kid was 17. And I was like, you know, I understand that. And I was like, but hey, what do you feel? Oh, I don't really know. And I'm like, bro, are you serious? Now, mind you, the reason, now, mind you, what happened? We called that kid as an NWA. What happened the next day? Yeah, the next day, the next day, when I called in numbers, the guy who did the closing, hey, what happened to that kid, bro? You going on deck? No, mess on. Why not? Bro, I gave you an interview. Bro, I gave you a close. Why isn't he coming in? Well, because you strong-armed him and he walked away. 
nah, bro, you didn't do the follow-up. Nah, bro, you didn't do this. It's like, bro, for real? Yeah. Like, really? No, no, no. You just took hijacked my interview. You strong-armed this kid because you believe that this still works from 20 years ago, and it doesn't, and now this kid is never going to join. Now, mind you, a year later, the same kid bumped into him. I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you know what? Why don't you come with me for lunch? We'll just grab a, we'll just grab a bite to eat. Take the kid out to the diner, sit down with him for an hour and a half. And literally, I asked him, I'm like, bro, whatever happened? He goes, bro, me and you had a really good interview. And I was really loving it. I was really deep into it. And he's like, then some random ass stranger that I've never met in my entire life hops in the conversation telling me about how I need to join the Marine Corps and how I need to say yes right now. So I said yes. And then I fucking left. <laughs> like, literally, that's exactly what he told me. And I was just like, he was like, bro, he was like, me and you were having a real conversation, kneecap to kneecap, and we were having a talk about life and about how the Marine Corps was going to change my life. And then some random dude that I don't know hops in the conversation and tells me that I have to say yes. Man. So the only way for me to get away from that dude and the awkwardness was to say yes so we could get in your car and I could go home. Oh, man, but I'm sure the 8412 was kind of like, nah, that's on you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not on you, bro. That was, was you. That's you, bro. You didn't follow up. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't privacy in the car. You didn't talk to the mom right. You didn't take your shoes off. Like, no, I did all of those things. <laughs> but nah, man. But um, so really what I would ask you, man, uh, kind of just, you know, in closing this and capping it all up. Um, if you were to be able to talk, and I do this at the end of all my episodes with the recruiting duty, if you were able to talk to yourself and say, hey, man, these are the things that you're going to need to do in order for you to have a good time out there. And these are some of the things that you're, you're going to have issues with. Like, what advice would you give to the person who, who's coming out on the duty, the person who just got out on the duty, or the person who's about to be done with the duty? Like, what do you think? So <clears throat> this December 2019, I worked all Christmas Eve. Didn't work the Christmas because it was a mandatory to be off. And then the very next day, we were in uniform again. And that CEO was like, I don't give a dang. December 2020, we were behind. And this CEO, he had a family, which is good. And uh, I was going to send my wife and son over to California to spend Christmas with them. I wasn't even worried about Christmas. And I, he called me. He was like, hey, you guys getting up out of there? I'm like, no, sir, we're behind. Um, he was like, wait a minute. What do you mean you're behind? It's, it's Christmas time frame. You got to remember, man, like, this is only three years. And what's going to happen at the 20 years? You're going to have to hang that uniform up. Go be with your family. And I'm like, sir, we're, we're behind right now. I thought we usually work. He's like, dog, that's an order. And I can't believe you're going to do that. That speaks volumes on you. I understand why you were doing that. But you're going to go spend time with your family for the holidays. So put in a special live. And I had never heard a CEO say that before, man. So I will repeat that message. Understand this is just a small billet. But at the end of the day, do what it is you love and be around the people that are going to keep you motivated and keep you happy when you retire, man, because it's only temporary. So I would say don't lose sight of that. And remember, this is an SEA. It's going to be a little tougher, but you're doing this for the Marine Corps. You're actually putting people in. So just remember those two things, man. And, you know, to kind of go off of that, I think a huge thing is I don't know if any any commanding officers are going to listen to this podcast. But if you do, 
<laughs> I, I think a huge part of that is exactly that guy, that your commanding officer that you're talking about, that, that was able to say to, to his Marine, like, hey, Staff Sergeant, go the fuck home. Be with your family because I'm going to be with mine. Because a, a, a huge thing that people don't realize, and I don't know if this happens as you get older and you get higher in leadership and you just forget, but people aren't stupid. So when you call me on July 4th or you call me on Labor Day, and you're like, hey, Marine, what are you doing? Well, first of all, you know I'm at work because you told me I had to be at work. But I get you. But I guarantee you right now at this very moment, you're sitting home with your family or you're at a golf outing. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's messed up because now, you know, in the Marine Corps, when you, when you, when you go to staff and CIC course, they talk about buy-in, right? MC4 and all that stuff. They talk mm-hmm. about bridging the gap. They talk about buy-in. I don't believe in buy-in. I, I think it's wrong. I think it's bullshit because I don't want you to buy into me. I want you to believe in me because if you, if you buy into me, you can, you can just, you know, not make any money in the investment or you can just return it or sell it to somebody else because you're buying into it. But if you actually believe in me because you believe in who I am and you believe in what I'm talking to you about, then you will go to the ends of the earth for me and I will go to the ends of the earth for you. So oh, yeah. when it when it comes to things like you're talking about, like that CO, like bro, that means a lot. You know, that means a lot to have your commanding officer say, "Hey, what do you what are your plans, and why aren't you going to be with your family? Why aren't you going to be at work? Why why aren't you going to be with them?" Because the reality of it is, is that, bro. First of all, hate me if you do, but if you if you think for a second that you're going to get any sort of contract like please i wish they could pull the numbers up bro if you're working those four days of a major holiday weekend i would listen on my podcast if you have a story to where you were actually successful on those four days please (laughs) call me please call me because it's it's bs bro if i was a civilian and i saw someone working on a major holiday the first thing that I would say is, why do I want to join your branch of military if I have to be at work on this day and I can't be with my family? Right. Or it's Christmas Eve. Why are you calling me right now, Sergeant? You should be home with your family. Like, I'm not going to answer that phone call. Oh, yeah, the middle of Christmas dinner. I'm at the freaking I'm at the synagogue or I'm at the Catholic mass. And right now I'm going to interrupt my family event to talk to Sergeant so-and-so with the Marine Corps. It's just a bad look, man. It's a bad look, and it's also just degrading and demoralizing to the Marine. Just whether they deserve it, whether they don't, just give them that time with their family. Because even if that Marine is the worst Marine in the world and he's the reason why you're failing, his wife doesn't know that. His son, his three-year-old son doesn't know that. That's not on him. So give that time to those family members because at the end of the day, it's just you're doing what's right. And if you pay it forward and you give that good work and you do those good things, you're going to get it back. It's just reality. That's literally whether you believe in God or you don't, that's how the universe works. If you do good things, good things will come to you. It's just reality. Yeah, partly, man. Do you have anything that you want to kind of share with us before we end this? Like, what do you, anything else you want to go on or anything like that? No, like I said, man, it's going to be tough because you're doing things differently. You're actually impacting the Marine Corps, you know, keeping our ranks filled. So it's going to be tough, man. But at the end of the day, no, it's temporary unless you decide to become an 8412. 
And you're doing a benefit, man. You're really going to impact a lot of kids who may not have came from much or maybe come from a lot, but have just they're just ready to say, like, hey, mom, hey, dad, you've given everything to me, but I can't think. I want to see what I'm really capable of. So I'm going here. And you get to impact a lot of kids that way, man. So you're doing a great job. Awesome, bro. Well, hey, Cam, I appreciate you. I really do. I think, you know, I think there's a great opportunity to talk to somebody who, you know, spent 14 months as a canvassing recruiter, then spent 18 months as a staff and CEO. So it was good to hear from both sides of the fence how you felt as a recruiter and then how you felt as a boss. And then the things that you were able to change and adapt to to be the person that you needed when you were a recruiter. So it's really good hearing from you. And I really appreciate you coming out here and talking about your experience. And uh, I just, you know, wish you good luck in the, in your future endeavors, man. Okay. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks a lot, brother.